Hey everybody, this is Eric Krasno and you are listening to the Plus One Podcast. This is episode 18 and I got to sit down with a good friend of mine, Mr. Kochemi Agastelum, who is an incredible saxophonist, arranger, songwriter, and he's played with so many people. He was a part of the Daptone horn section, which backed up people like Sharon Jones and Amy Winehouse. He also played with Charles Bradley, the Budos Band, Antibalas. So he's really a part of that Brooklyn movement and that sound that was such a huge part um, of my musical experience living in Brooklyn in the early 2000s up till now. And of course, in the last few years, we've lost the great Sharon Jones and Charles Bradley, which was a huge blow to really the music scene in general. The Daptone crew and the Daptone label, uh, along with uh, Dunham Records, which actually put out the Charles Bradley music, that whole scene really birthed a a resurgence in soul music. And the production uh, was so interesting. They, They took elements of old, they used a lot of tape and old gear, but they added some hip hop influence to it and a certain songwriting sensibility that really was their own. And uh, people took note of what was going on. And I know Mark Ronson was listening to those Sharon Jones records and brought them on to be a part of creating Amy Winehouse's sound, which kind of blew the whole thing wide open. And you were hearing that music so much. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'd be watching a movie and I'd hear Sharon Jones or Charles Bradley or Amy Winehouse and hear their sound. Um, Also a huge fan of the Budos band, which has more of a kind of harder funk sound to it. But also it incorporated a lot of Latin percussion and kind of this driving rhythm that also is in a lot of Cochemia's music. He put an album out in 2010 called The Electric Sound of Johnny Arrow, which I listened to constantly for a few years there and I still play it a lot. It was full of like these infectious grooves, but on top of that, he created these beautiful melodies and he has such an amazing tone on saxophone and on flute. And over time, he's developed uh, this sound incorporating different effects a la Eddie Harris back in the 60s and 70s. But he's really done his own thing with it. And the next phase of the evolution was his album called All My Relations, which came out in 2019 under the name Cochemia, where he really dug into his roots. And you'll hear this amazing percussion section. There's not really a drum kit on the record, and it's not like a traditional band. Um, And I was so curious how he recorded this because I loved the way it sounded so much. Produced and engineered by Gabe Roth, who is the founder of uh, Daptone Recordings. So we get into that quite a bit. We also talk about his next album that's about to come out. Uh, Cheeto's Theme is the single that's actually already out now. And uh, I think they've postponed the release of the full album due to COVID. This interview was done before the shutdown, before the lockdown, and he was one of the last people to actually be in my studio with me. So it was really nice just having him here and having a conversation in the studio together. Before we get into that conversation, I'd like to mention a couple other things that I've been involved in recently. One is an organization called Song Aid. It was created by my friends at Track Tribe Music to help fight the global hunger crisis exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic. 
Since May 29th, each week, Song Aid releases new music from a growing list of contributing artists. People like Carlos Santana, DMC from Run DMC, Tom Morello, Wilco, and many, many other artists that you love have been involved in making tracks for Song Aid. I actually got to do a cover of Man and Me by Bob Dylan with Otis McDonald from Track Tribe. And from doing that song together, we got inspired to do a bunch of other songs that have now turned into what's going to be my next album. So I'm really thankful to Otis and the Track Tribe crew for having me involved and really excited for you guys to hear this new music. So next time you go to your Spotify, look up the Song Aid Listen for Life playlist, follow it, share it with your friends, and you'll actually be raising money for a great cause just by listening to music. I also want to tell people about an initiative called Save Our Stages. It was created by the National Independent Venue Association and is set to preserve and nurture the ecosystem of independent live music venues and promoters throughout the United States. I think everybody listening here loves live music, needs it in their life. I know that I need it. And we can't do any of that without the venues, the promoters, all of the people that help create the infrastructure for us to tour and play music. So I really urge you to go to saveourstages.com. You can sign the petition there. It's super easy. Uh, we really, really, really need the support of everybody right now. All right, let's get into it. He's an incredible saxophonist, a composer, and arranger. Played with so many great people over the years, from Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings to Amy Winehouse to Charles Bradley, Antibalas, the Budos Band. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome today's plus one, Mr. Cochemia Gastelum. All right, we're in North Hollywood, California, and uh, very happy to have one of my favorite people and favorite musicians in the whole world here with me today, Cochemia Castellum. And uh, we've been hanging, as we do uh, <laughs> with this show. It's really just, you know, hanging out with my homies. And uh, we started working on some music yesterday, and Cochemia is in town mixing, or actually you recorded and mixed mm-hmm. your album last week. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, uh, Cochemia and I go back... 20 years, I'd say. Yes. Maybe, maybe a little maybe more. Maybe even more. Yeah. He was a member of Robert Walter's 20th Congress back in the day. Um, but has since um, become a part of so many historical albums and bands. Um, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings being a centerpiece Mm-hmm. you know, of your last decade or so. Definitely. Um, has played on records with Amy Winehouse, toured with Amy Winehouse, um, done so many projects as part of the Dap King posse, but in recent years um, is part of the Dap Tone label as his own artist. Um, and his album last year, All My Relations, probably got played more than any other record in my house. Um, so... Um, happy to have him here today and maybe you could just talk a little bit I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the new record but I also mm-hmm. want to talk about some of some of the past um, so maybe I'm just curious how did you link up with the the Dap King crew how what was that uh, let's see so it was kind of the Robert my time with Robert had just 
basically come to an end. Right. The band's, you know, we broke up, as they say. And um, I just randomly got a call from Ian Henderson Smith, who now okay. plays with The Roots. Yep. Um, and at the time, he was the baritone player of the band. And he called me randomly um, looking for a sub. And they had done a lot of auditions. No one seemed to work out. You know, it's a really hard band to gel with. It's for just, there's a lot that, it's not just, there's just a whole feeling, vibe, a certain level of um, knowing how to integrate with the band, knowing yeah. how to um, play your part and step with everybody. Yeah. And it's not for everybody, you know? Um, but when There's I got a certain the, approach in that band that's very specific. You got to have the right vibe and you, you got to have the right intuition, right? Got to have the right intuition, the right sound. Yeah. You got to know how to blend with people um, sound wise, personality wise. And it's a, yeah, it's, it's a very hard band to, you know, um, to to vibe with if you right. don't, if you're not with it. If you don't get it. Yeah. Well, one of the things about that band that I just want to side note, and, and you specifically are such a great soloist. And, you know, one of the, one of the only people I've seen, we can work the effects the way that you do with a saxophone, um, using electronic stuff, uh, pedals and whatnot. But also you were a parts guy, you know, with that band, like all those guys can play solos. Like David Guy, who's oh, yeah. a trumpet player, can play his ass off. But you guys were so good at crafting parts and playing as a section. Were you? Was that a learning experience once you got in the band, or was that something? Did you come from that coming into it? Like it was definitely a learning experience because yeah. up until then, I had just been playing. Like for the past six years, I'd been with Robert just as a soloist, so I didn't really have a lot of experience on the road as a section player so which for me was great because i i love to just play a part you know especially with players of that caliber yeah. you know it's like it just feels good but it's a totally different uh discipline so when i started playing with them going on the road i just it really um i just learned how to blend and how to be part of a section, how to serve the song and the singer step together. And it was a really, it was a really good time in my life for that to kind of switch roles, right. you know, out of, out of soloing and into like being part of a group sound. And what about, um, the Amy Winehouse experience? Uh, how did that happen? Did you know that was going to be as big as it was. Absolutely not. I mean, yeah. the I kind of came later into that process. So yeah. um, Ian did most of the baritone work on that, but I came in and um, towards the end of the tracking and played on a tune. And I don't think anyone did. You know, they'd been working with Mark Ronson for a while doing other stuff. Um, but I, I would think that it kind of took everyone a little by surprise. For me, it was very abstract. I had never heard of her. And then we went on the road and it just it just blew up so fast. Yeah. Exploded. Yeah. And it also affected Dap Kings too, right? Would you say that Sharon caught that wave too, even though she'd been doing it for years? Oh, for certainly. I mean, yeah. I mean, because uh, then it was like, oh, that's the backing band for Amy, even though yeah. you know the band had been around for a long time, and yeah. Sharon had been around for a long time before that. Um, 
you know, then like outside session work started rolling in and it definitely boosted the profile of the band. Yeah, I mean, I'd been seeing you, the, the Dab Kings, Soul Live and the Dab Kings did gigs way back in the early days. And uh, Neil Sugarman with the Sugarman 3 oh, yeah. was like, that was the other band we played with quite a bit. And I remember Neil Sugarman telling me about Sharon. And I think that Lee Fields had been around before. Like Lee Fields and the Expressions was also part of that same camp, but came before Sharon, right? Didn't Sharon sing with Lee Fields? Actually, that too? was her first session. Was doing background on a Lee uh, record. Okay, yeah, he. They've been. They, this goes back to the Desco days, right? Um, which right. was the label before Daptone. Um, they were doing sides for Lee and right. a whole, uh, albums for Lee. And was Gabe Roth a part of that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his thing. Okay. He's been the guy who who sort of spearheaded. He had another partner back then with Desco, um, but he is kind of like the, yeah. you know, the the mastermind. The mastermind. You know? behind it. And uh, for people that don't know, Gabe Roth uh, is basically he's the fo- founder, along with Neil of Daptone Records. Mm-hmm. He engineers and produces a lot of the records that you've heard from Sharon Jones um, and uh, some of the, he did he engineer the Amy Winehouse stuff? I mean, yeah. Along with Mark. Um, and then Tommy Brennick, am I saying that? I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Tommy uh, broke off and did Dunham records. And that was Charles, that was Charles Bradley and uh, Menahan Street Band. Mm-hmm. I'm make sure I'm saying all of it right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, there's just this this huge community that kind of came out of, you know, that nucleus. And uh, as a result, you got a lot of amazing records. And now you working with Gabe on your own stuff. And I, it was really cool because I used to listen to your what it's your first album, The Electric Sound of Johnny Arrow. Yeah. And I used to tell you that I used to listen to that all the time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh the All My Relations album, which was your last album that came out this past year, um, you worked with Gabe on that. But you mm-hmm. kind of you wrote the material, then went in and, and cut it live in the Daptone studio, right? Is that how? For it, All My Relations, um, I wrote I wrote some material for it, but it was done over two sessions that were right. a year apart. And our first idea was to go into the studio with no material, actually. Okay. And because and just see what happened. So in that scenario, I knew. Well, we both knew that it was important to get the right casting. You know, you have to get if you're going to do that, you yeah. have to make sure it's the right people. So we were really meticulous about who we, you know, brought into the session, and it ended up being a ten-person group, mostly drummers, because that was our idea too. Let's have a band instead of having, um, you know, all these chordal instruments. Why don't we put the melodic information in the drums? So that's where the conversation's happening, and then I'll just be on top of it. So that was just sort of our loose concept, and have no material and see what happens. And we booked one day in the studio, and over a 24-hour period, we improvised. And and once you once these musicians started playing the drums, it was just I felt like something special was happening, and. Um, what we would do is we would just play, they'd play these grooves, I'd play a melody, and Gabe, uh, as the producer, would just be kind of like moving parts around. And as a band, we would just be moving parts around, arranging stuff, and then when we hit on something that we liked, we would cut it and move on. Right. And so that session 
literally lasted almost 24 hours wow. into the wee hours of the morning. And that was how half the record happened. Right. Half the record was done in that process. And then um, about a year passed by, and in that year I listened to the stuff and kind of thought, well, you know, we could. There, there's a couple more things that would really round out this record. So at that point I uh, moved up to Woodstock, and up there I wrote... Um, a few songs. One of them I had, I had come out on a 45, Song of Happiness. We cut it with the band, and then I wrote three other tunes for the record. And then we got together and did another session. And the same process, you know, as, as we arranged everything together, Gabe is such a masterful producer. He's able to sort of just kind of put things in their right spot. And, of course, you got master drummers and musicians, so everyone putting their, their parts in. And so that's how the record, that's how All My Relations came about. Yeah, what blew me away about that record is I could hear your melodic sense, which I've always loved, and your expression on the saxophone, which is always like super soulful and melodic, but then the bed of percussion was just amazing. Mm -hmm. um, the players, obviously, but also the sound. It's just like this meditative vibe that happens. Um, did you kind of see that in your mind before creating it was it did you, did you kind of hear that and then it, when it came to fruition were you was it was it close to what you envisioned or did it kind of surpass that or did it in a way the I think all of the above you know because yeah. I'd been listening to a lot of um Alice Coltrane and uh Youssef Latif and Gato Barbieri and Pharaoh Sanders and that's the music that was kind of inspiring the, from my part yeah, was inspiring this record I can hear that. and um also i think for the band we had a we were of a similar mindset you know when we first went into the studio you know trump had just got elected it just felt like a like we and and sharon had had recently passed away and it just felt like we were in need of some healing you yeah. know and um so we definitely went in with a clear intention of of making music to heal not only ourselves right. but but put out something positive into the universe. Yeah. So and I think you know that that is embedded within within the songs, you know. And then the stuff I wrote, I I was also kind of drawing from my own personal sort of history and narrative, yeah. you know, from my drawing inspiration from my family, my own, you know, my native roots. I hadn't, this is, the, I, I had been wanting for a long time to figure out how to kind of integrate my family story yeah. into the music. And so it's kind of like, that's another aspect for me of, of the record. We'll be right back after a quick message from our sponsors. far as your roots are there particular albums or or recordings that you listened to that were kind of a reference point for you absolutely yeah. there's this artist named jim pepper okay who um i got introduced to him through the great drummer hamid drake yeah um i was on road with archie shep and hamid was the oh, drummer yeah. and he when he found out i had um native background he was like brother have you ever heard jim pepper 
and I had never heard of him. He played me his music through his phone, and immediately I felt, I mean, just tears started welling up in my eyes. This music was so beautiful. It was like what I had been waiting for my whole life but didn't know it, it felt like. And he, Jim, who passed away in the 90s, was a, he, he, was a, he came up with uh, Don Cherry, and he was associated with Ornette Coleman, but he was a native saxophone player and a jazz player. And I, I think Don Cherry and Arnett had kind of encouraged him to kind of bring out his, his yeah. native stuff into the music. So he would combine, his father was uh, associated with the Native American church. They, he grew up learning a lot of peyote songs and powwow songs, 49er songs, they call them. And he would integrate that with sort of uh, jazz and even gospel soul kind of chords with these native chants over him. And it just blew me away. And um, so that was an aspect that I wanted to bring into it. So I wrote this tune called Song of Happiness, which was based off a Navajo melody that I just really loved. And so I took took that idea um, after hearing Jim Pepper's music and kind of applied it to this melody I wrote. uh, Like I had part of the song already written and then I wrote chords to this beautiful Navajo melody and so it became kind of this uh, kind of catalyst I think for at least that part of the record. Right, would you say that was kind of like, because one of the things I like to talk about in general when talking to artists is asking about kind of a moment where you kind of turned a corner as an artist. I would say it's it's because the song Happiness I made um, just in my my studio, my home studio, yeah, yeah. Uh, on my Tascam 388, yeah. played all the instruments. And I initially thought it was a demo. You know, I really yeah. liked it. But I was like, oh, this is a demo. I had all these lofty ideas. I'll put strings on it. I'll do yeah. all this. You know? yeah. And um, I played it for Gabe and Neil. And they were like, it's fine. It's, this is it. Yeah, this is it. great. Let's put it out as a 45. Yeah, yeah. And then I had a flip uh, that I had recorded too. It's this called Strand in Space, just kind of like a spacey sort of. Um, Maestro Rhythm King, yeah. kind of Sly Stone, Electric Miles kind of thing. Anyway, so they put it out as a 45. And I would say that, that kind of writing that song and, and was definitely like a turning point because then it was like, oh, this is kind of what I'm, I want to explore this further, right, right. you know? And, it, right. and it, it somehow, they had an emotional impact on me. It was as a saxophone player, going back to your early days because I know you were like in band we were talking about that earlier was there a moment um, that was inspired or really was there a, a recording or an artist that made you say I want to do this I want to be like I want to be a saxophone player I want to be a musician I want to be an artist composer well I've been interested in music really early age I was my dad played guitar my mom played guitar and sang they were both uh, players and um my mom had this re- a crazy record collection. So you had Alice Coltrane records, Beatles yeah. records, Jimi Hendrix, to uh, um, Charlie Parker, Billy Holiday, Wes Montgomery. I mean, those, those are the kind of records yeah. that I grew up hearing yeah. on the weekends or all the time. So I actually started out on drums. Okay. <laughs> and because and I, I wanted to, I saw, um, I wanted to like be a drummer 
like yeah. like Peter Chris. <laughs> the inner rock band. That's funny. <laughs> um, but the drums didn't work out, and I eventually picked up the saxophone. But I already been hearing Lester Young and Charlie Parker before I even played yeah. the saxophone, so it felt like kind of a, a natural thing. It was either going to be that of the trumpet, and the saxophone somehow just kind of seduced me. So, um, as far as a moment, I think I just kind of, I think I was always just drawn to the arts in some way, you know? Um, but since music was such a big part of like the household and my mom like had such eclectic taste, it just, just kind of, I, I think it was just some, another thing I did, but I got really into it. Yeah. And by high school, it just became sort of, I think music just became my safe place. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, I, f- I had the same, a similar experience in that way. Mm. So uh, the new album, tell me about the process there. It's kind of, it, I, we, from our conversation earlier, it's kind of a continuation of the All My Relations yeah, album in a certain definitely. way, right? I really feel that like, uh, um, with this one, I thought, you know, I, I wanted to explore this um, idea further, you know, like it feels like just a continuing conversation, you know, yeah. kind of with what we're trying to do, which is um, make a sort of uh, some kind of political commentary, um, play from the heart, you know, um, and also with the idea of all the percussion players. Now that the records come out, we've actually played gigs and we've, um, Play this stuff in front of audiences, so so now there's a different feeling, you know, going into the studio than before, where we assembled for the record. Yeah. So, uh, and this time was a little different because I, I did a lot of demoing beforehand. Gotcha. So there was a little less um, coming in. There wasn't the uh, coming in with nothing. Right. Idea. And also the band playing had had having played together it was some. Yeah. More comfortable. As yeah, and we'd all played together before. Yeah. You know, in one. Uh, iteration or another, but but playing together as a band, yeah, as a unit, yeah. yeah it, it 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 kind of uh, had a different feeling about it. I saw the show at Zebulon last year, I guess that mm-hmm. was, which was amazing, especially having listened to the songs a lot. Um, that was our first show. By I the way. remember that, <laughs> and it was it was killing. And you were also it was a co bill with Antibalas. What other collaborations do you have going on? I know Kevin Morby, right? Kevin and, Morby. Um, I just did. Uh, I just recorded with Run the Jewels. Yeah, um, cool. I'll be on the the record coming up, and um, I also, you know, just session work that comes up sometimes with the Dap Kings, sometimes not. But cool. I, besides that stuff, I've I've kind of been focused on this record yeah. and and writing the music for it, and and will this band go on the road? I I hope. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, Definitely plan to tour it. We just cool. came back. We just did a, a gig in France for a festival in December, which was a beautiful experience. And uh, so I'm hoping just to do more, do more, and keep it going. Keep the keep the the conversation going. You know. Good, and well. and one thing about this record that was different was that I was able to you know I actually collaborated with my family, my literal family, right? Yeah, on the record and. Um, my cousin, who uh, has been a real kind of 
guide for me, a spiritual guide in a lot of ways. And he's very involved in the Native community, as well as some of my other cousins. Uh, he came down from Alaska and brought some of the people that he sings with in the powwow circuit, and they sang a song that he had composed, a family song, which wow. has become a song for our family. And I had initially approached him and said, I love this song. Can I compose music to it? Because it's really just drum and voices. And he said, yeah, I would love that. So, and then I, I was like, well, would you like to come and also sing the song? Just record it. So he was totally game. So he ended up coming down with oh, my other cousins so cool. and a couple of the singers they sing with, and they recorded their version. And then we recorded our band version. So we have, I was able to actually collaborate on a song with, oh, with my family. That's and, powerful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's really beautiful. And there's, there's lots of generations involved in it. And, um, it was kind of like a dream of mine that was realized for this album. So I'm really happy about that. Wow. Well, I can't wait to hear the rest of it. I got to hear um, some rough mixes last night and just loved every second of it. And uh, do you have a, is there a date or a, a general time period when we might hear the record? I'm hoping that it'll be uh, fall of this cool. year. Um, that's the hope. We'll see how it goes, <laughs> but I hope so. Hopefully it will come out this year. All right, man. Well, thank you so much Thanks for, for hanging um, and for people that want to find you at Cochemia is your That's social the Instagram. media. Yeah. <laughs> Cochemia. And then, yeah. uh, um, also Which is, uh, C-O-C-H-E-M-E-A. For or, yeah. yeah. Or you could, uh, visit the Daptone website. I have all, all the records are there and you can get information there also. I want to thank Coach Emia for being on the show. So great to hang with him and talk with him. I want to remind everybody to follow me at Kraz Plus One on Instagram, also at Eric Krasno on Instagram. You can send me messages about the show. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Now we're going to end the show with a song off of Coach Emia's last album called All My Relations. And this song is called Song of Happiness.
Eric Krasno Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, under the artist name Kras. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email krasplus1 at gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Mm